You're listening to the Redeemed Podcast, where conversations are built on the Word of God. Hi guys, welcome back to the Redeemed Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Josh. And uh, today we're going to pick back up on Article 12 of the Chicago Statement of Biblical Inerrancy. That article starts out with the affirmation that Scripture in its entirety is inerrant, being free from all falsehood, fraud, or deceit. What do you think about that, Josh? Well, I think it's, I mean, the basis of, once again, the basis of every article is Mm -hmm. the inerrancy. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and what's awesome is from Deuteronomy until the end times were warned about the false teachers, mm-hmm. you know, in our inerrant word. Mm-hmm. So obviously if we have the faith that God's word is true in and of itself, like mm-hmm. we do, mm-hmm. and they're warning us about the falsehood and the false teachings and the fraud and deceit that takes place. I mean, it, 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 it speaks in and of itself right there. Sure. Sure. I, yeah, I think so. It's kind of just like a reiteration, almost, or like a summary of, of all that we've been going through. If it's inerrant, then there's no falsehood, right. fraud, or deceit. Yeah. So the denial is that uh, we deny that biblical infallibility and inerrancy are limited to spiritual, religious, or redemptive themes, exclusive of assertions in the fields of history and science. We further deny that scientific hypotheses about earth history may properly be used to overturn the teaching of scripture on creation and the flood. So there's people that would, that would kind of assert that, um, well, yeah, we understand that the Bible talks about spiritual stuff, but when it ventures into scientific stuff, then it's not really to be trusted. Exactly. And so we firmly would say, no, we, we deny that. Right. Yep. Um, it's interesting. Well, I'm glad that they kind of um, made a point on creation and the flood. Because creation and the flood, I guess, are two areas that are really under attack, at least in our day. Oh, absolutely. Um, and yep. it, <clears throat> because I think creation and the flood speak of uh, our accountability to God as creator and right. then the flood of his judgment. So yep. if they can undermine that, then they, yeah, in their minds, they defute the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. So the um, the scriptures themselves are inerrant, um, but I think it's also important to note that our interpretation or understanding can be flawed. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, and I uh, yeah, and I like I think it, what what is it, thirteen, mm-hmm. thirteen or fourteen actually touches on that. Okay, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> let's go on to the next one then. Yep. Um, article 13. We affirm the propriety of using inerrancy as a theological term with reference to the complete truthfulness of Scripture. Yep. Basically, they're saying we like that word. Right. Inerrancy is the right word to use. Exactly. Yeah. So. But at the same time, when you're looking at theology, right, it's a mm-hmm. theological term. When you're mm-hmm. talking about the study of God, it has to be involved. Mm-hmm. The, the the two, as it seems like all of these articles, rightly so, have been touching on, is if you're talking about God, you're talking about infallible and inerrant. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're talking about stuff that's taught without error, yeah, written without error, mm-hmm. all inspired by God. Mm-hmm. So it has to go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, I guess the the problem sometimes then is um, 
we think that our understanding of it is infallible or right. inerrant. And right, it's like, and, that's, and that's a problem. Like I, I tell everyone we live in the best age right now for study mm-hmm. because all the work's been done for us, Yeah. right? But at the same time, I think a lot of Christians these days rely too heavily on the commentaries instead of the translations. Sure. You know? I mean, there's theologians that I respect, you know, that disagree mm-hmm. on certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you start taking their word as infallible, mm-hmm. or even your own word as infallible, right. that's where you're going to start yeah. running into a huge problem. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I think everything, every belief that we hold, um, we should be able to hold it up in the light of Scripture mm-hmm. and have the full weight of Scripture bear on that. And yep. then, it, and if our belief is wrong, then we've just got to say, well, okay, yeah, I exactly. was wrong. Yep. So... Um, Okay, so the denial of Article 13. We deny that it is proper to evaluate Scripture according to standards of truth and error that are alien to its usage or purpose. We further deny that inerrancy is negated by biblical phenomena, such as a lack of modern technical precision, irregularities of grammar or spelling, observational descriptions of nature, the reporting of falsehoods, the use of hyperbole and round numbers, the topical arrangement of material, variant selections of material in parallel accounts, or the use of free citations. Whew, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, So let's see. The first thing that he says is a lack of modern technical precision, which kind of goes hand-in-hand with what he says later, the use of round numbers. Mm -hmm. So like when, uh, let's say, like Jesus feeds the 5,000. Right. Well, that's a round number. So could right. it have been that there was 4,972? Right. Like, yeah, that would be okay. <laughs> because he's not trying to give an exact right. number. Right. It's now, just a miracle of what he did. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Now, if it says, oh, actually he fed 4,972, that's a very precise number. So if that number was wrong, then that's, that's serious. Right. But, yeah. I mean, we even use round numbers and a lack of modern technical precision today. Like, uh-huh. if a newspaper says, like, yeah, there were 50,000 people there, right. it doesn't necessarily mean it's exactly. Exactly. Right. exactly. So, yep. um, people might try and pick things apart like that. Like, well, you know, it says 5,000 people, but mm-hmm. so. Um, so, lack of modern technical precision. Irregularities of grammar or spelling. There's times when, like, Two different accounts will spell the same thing, and and the writer would have spelled it differently, or there was a misspelling. Right. Like, that's okay. Well, yeah, and, and as far as like the grammar goes, we got to realize that we've been translating this from a language that yeah. was unbelievably difficult to yeah. translate into English. I yeah. mean, you look at the substantial number of Greek to English words. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's there, there's a reason that there's five words mm-hmm. for our one word of slavery, mm-hmm. and there's five different Greek words. So you can, if someone wants to actually like sit back and try to understand how God even got, you know, influenced the translators from the Greek to the Bible we have now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a miracle in and of itself there. Oh yeah, I, it's fantastic to yeah. think that. We get, you know, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, and Syriac mm-hmm. into English, into one book that we can read today mm-hmm. because of the influence he 
had on people to translate yeah. it for us. Yeah. So it's more like, what is the truth that is being communicated? That's what we need to get to exactly. the heart of. Right. You know, like you in law enforcement, if you were um, like questioning somebody and they were like, I ain't killed nobody. Right. Like he didn't use proper grammar, <laughs> but you right. know he's saying I didn't kill anybody. Right. So like and we can have that same understanding too. And that's such a disheartening fact nowadays that critics are attacking the grammar instead mm-hmm. of the message. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's to the point where they're not denying necessarily the message of what the Bible is saying, what the inspired writers wrote down. Mm-hmm. It's how they wrote it. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, and they're yeah, they're yeah. so they're totally missing the point. Yep. Which I mean, I guess that they're blind to exactly. the point anyway. And that's just it. I mean, yeah. when the Holy Spirit hasn't convicted you and you haven't been drawn yet, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have those dumb arguments. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're trying to wisely uh, dissect something with, without wisdom right. at their disposal. Yep. So. Okay, so irregularity. Oh, observational descriptions of nature. Uh, scripture says that from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, mm-hmm. the name of the Lord is to be praised. Yeah. And somebody might look at that and say, oh, look at the archaic language they're using. The sun doesn't rise. The earth <laughs> turns. So right. obviously that's a falsehood, but it's just an observational description of nature. Right. And we still use it today. Oh, like absolutely. The, the so, weather yeah. app says sunrise tomorrow yeah. is at such and such time. Right. And we're not like, Oh, I, we can't trust anything he says because he exactly. says the sun rises, and that's not right. Right. So, um, and the reporting of falsehoods, like we know that um, there's reports of lies in scripture. Oh, that, absolutely. That doesn't mean that now it's oh now there's an introduction of deceit or falsehood. Exactly. Uh, what else? Use of hyperbole. Uh, that's just a a figure of speech, mm-hmm. like. You can stress something to make a point, and right. no one's like, "Oh, you're lying." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, um, and uh, you know, I'm glad that they touch on all these things because people raise this as a concern and say, "Oh, yeah, this is a huge reason why the Bible and the church as a whole is, you know, um, I guess the points of argument that they make to disprove what we believe." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and if they can introduce any kind of doubt and start undermining someone's uh, commitment to the reliability of Scripture, um, then they can, that's like a chink in their armor. Right. You know, um, let's see, the topical arrangement of material and variant selections of material in parallel accounts. Like, for example, if you read through the four Gospels, they're talking about the same stuff, but it might be in a different order. Right. And it might be that one guy touches on one thing while, you know, Matthew touches on something and Mark doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so we're not saying like, oh, now we can't trust it. Well, yeah, and this goes back to, I forget which article, but they weren't robots. Yeah. They weren't writing the exact same thing Yeah. the same way. Mm-hmm. It was different people's accounts of the same story. Yeah. You know? Which adds an element of uh, greater reliability. Oh, absolutely. So. Um, or the use of free citations. That's like when the New Testament writers quote the Old Testament, but they don't quote it verbatim. Right. Um, and people are like, oh, see, now that we can't trust it. Like, no, right. he, he's not trying to quote word for word. He's trying to just get the point across. Right. So there you have it. That's Article 13. 
Article 14, we affirm the unity and internal consistency of Scripture. Yep, we do. We have to. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And then, that one's pretty self-explanatory. It is. We deny that alleged errors and discrepancies that have not yet been resolved vitiate the truth claims of the Bible. Like some areas of the Bible, we still need to dig in and study. And, yep. um, you know, in the end, I know that we'll see that anything that seemed inconsistent or that we didn't know how it worked together, uh, that we'll see that there was no discrepancy in, right. the, in the end. And what's something that you need to people need to realize is it it's impossible to disprove something that is true mm-hmm. as much as people want to mm-hmm. you can't yeah. you know the, the the meaning of truth is conforming to fact or reality yeah and when you have god as the reality yeah. the author and creator of everything i mean how do you disprove what is true yeah. you might want to right <laughs> you know but right so you can just deny it. Right, exactly. But you can't disprove it. Right. Yeah. Amen. That's right. Uh, okay. That was the... That's, 14. that's Article 14. Yep. Ar- Article 15. We're cruising. <laughs> we affirm that the doctrine of inerrancy is grounded in the teaching of the Bible about inspiration. Basically, we affirm that the Bible is inerrant because the Bible says so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it has to come from God. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Otherwise, then we've elevated something else as the standard of truth. Right. If we say the Bible is inerrant because I've read it all and I have reasoned that it's, then you're then you're depending on your reason right. as the standard of truth. So, um, and then we deny that Jesus's teaching about Scripture may be dismissed by appeals to accommodation or to any natural limitation of his humanity. Right. Basically, people would say that when Jesus became man that now he's limited and so kind of like he was a product of his time right everyone there every first century jew thought that the the word of god was infallible so right he would have fallen into that same thing but Mm -hmm. um well yeah just real quick i'll I'll make them quick mm -hmm. but just to disprove that using the bible right Mm -hmm. the gospel of john was great at it oh yeah john 10 30 jesus says i and my father are one so -hmm. we're seeing the correlation between Jesus and God, because I know that was a huge um, um, argumentative point for the unsaved, mm-hmm. or or even more importantly, the 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 members of the other religions or cults, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, saying that like you just said, when Jesus came down to Earth, he had to have been a part of his time, you right. know, um, you know, in John one fourteen, once again, it said, The word of, was made flesh and dwelt among us and beheld his glory. And the mm-hmm. glory is of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. So we can see countless times where the thought that the natural limitation of Jesus' humanity mm-hmm. was non-existent. Because although he was man, he was God incarnate, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, so like Jesus also says, um, if you don't believe me when I've taught you earthly things, then why would you believe me if I speak about heavenly things? So right. if we're saying that, like Jesus Jesus said that thy word is truth. Mm. So if Jesus believed that the word of God was true and inerrant, um, we have to believe him or agree with him on that point too. 
Otherwise, Absolutely. if we start undermining that, then he's saying, well, then why would you believe me when I talk about heavenly spiritual stuff? Right. He's either right on what he teaches or he's not. Exactly. So it really comes down to, I mean, it, it's really important because then if Jesus was teaching false things about the word of God, then he was a sinner. Exactly. And then we have no redemption. Right. So it, this is all like, it, it's very heavy stuff. Yeah. And unbelievably important to not just hear, but understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Article 15. No, no 16. 16. We affirm that the doctrine of inerrancy has been integral to the church's faith throughout its history. Yeah, that's, this is what the church has always believed. Yeah. The term itself, inerrancy, is a relatively new term, uh -huh. but uh, they believed that what God said was true. Yeah, and faith has to be put in something inerrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or else it's guaranteed to prove false. Yeah. You know? Uh, so then the denial is that inerrancy is a doctrine invented by scholastic Protestantism or is a re reactionary position postulated in response to negative higher criticism. Uh, so Jesus' own position, again, on Scripture in John seventeen seventeen was that thy word is truth. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus also often said, uh, thus it is written and so it is necessary. Right. So Jesus' own view on Scripture was that it was unbreakable. Mm -hmm. If it's written, it's going to happen. It has to. It's necessary. So our view is just the same view that Jesus had. Right. That's what we want. Well, and the fact that inerrancy isn't an argument. Mm -hmm. Like, it's fact. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. like it's not, a, it's not a, a, you know, a supporting argument for mm -hmm. why we believe what we believe. It's just, it's true. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's not... It's it's hard to under. It's easy to understand, but when you look at it, it's just such a simple fact. Mm -hmm. You know, it just if the Holy Spirit's not in you, yeah. you're not drawn. Yeah, yeah. You, then you can't see it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Article seventeen says we affirm that the Holy Spirit bears witness to the Scriptures assuring believers of the truthfulness of God's written word. That's what you just said. Mm -hmm. um, it's the Holy Spirit that convinces us that this is God's word. Right. Uh, we deny that this witness of the Holy Spirit operates in isolation from or against Scripture. That's pretty important for t this day and age because there's so many like kind of hyper-spiritual movements of Scripture or of, you know, the the church right. that uh, have kind of divorced themselves from scripture and mm -hmm. they just base everything on, you know, oh, well, the spirit told me or, right. you know, I felt this certain way or, right. um, well, but the Holy Spirit isn't going to lead us in contrary to scripture. Right. So that's kind of our safety net, mm -hmm. knowing what God says. Article 18. That's where we're at. We affirm that the text of Scripture is to be interpreted by grammatico-historical exegesis, taking account of its literary forms and devices, and that Scripture is to interpret Scripture. So, like, we need to take poetry as poetry. Right. Um, we need to take um, prophecy as prophecy. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't... So, understanding that the that the Bible is the inerrant word of God has to take that into account. Right. Otherwise you start reading Proverbs as promises. 
Exactly, yeah. Uh, and claiming it as a promise mm -hmm. where, when it wasn't really intended right. that way. So we have to understand uh, what the author intended. Right. Yeah, the grammar, context, meaning, and even time that it was written. Yeah. All has to be taken into account. Yeah. So like when God, through Jeremiah, tells the Israelites, I have a plan for you right. in a future, not to harm you, but that you would prosper. Right. God was speaking that to a specific person mm -hmm. at a specific time, right. not for us. Like, you know, that wasn't for everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah, so exactly. We have to understand all that kind of stuff, too. Mm -hmm. We deny the legitimacy of any treatment of the text or quest for sources lying behind it that leads to relativizing, dehistoricizing, or discounting its teaching or rejecting its claims to authorship. So we have to really understand the authorial intent. Right. You know, we can allegorize everything and we've missed the point. Yeah. And I think this is something that's so huge in you know, among Christians today, or mm -hmm. so-called Christians today, is you see so much of, what does this mean to you? Right. Or we interpret this different, or right. something along those lines. And that's like one of my biggest pet peeves, uh -huh. hearing it, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, like, a good example the other night, you know, we heard that question, to you, who is Jesus? Mm. Well, Jesus is the same for everyone, it's just whether you believe it or not. Sure. You know? And it's, it's, I mean, like everyone's always used that argument. Like I seen on Facebook like years ago, right? Someone drew like a six on the ground and one person was on each side saying, you know, six or a nine. Mm -hmm. And then it said like, oh, you know, you can both be right. Your perceptions is different. Mm. It's one of those things. Well, when someone wrote the six, it was either a six or a nine, and that's what they right. wrote. Right. He know? knew what he was doing. Exactly. Yeah. And that's and it's our job to figure out, you know, the context, the meaning, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not just like, oh, well, this means this to me today. Right. Or, you know, or this is how I'm interpreting this. Right. The first question is, what does this mean? Right. Not what does it mean to you. Exactly. What does it mean, and then how, do, how does that apply? Right. So it's important to... Uh, stay within the bounds of scripture mm -hmm. yeah we affirm in article 19 we affirm that a confession of the full authority infallibility and inerrancy of scripture is vital to a sound understanding of the whole of the christian faith we further affirm that such confession should lead to increasing conformity to the image of christ yeah the, that's the fruit of understanding that this is God's word and it's trustworthy and reliable. Right. Like he's going to use it to change us. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. I like, I want to be changed Absolutely. more like Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. But if we can't trust what God says, then how are we going to grow? Right. So, yep. um, and then we deny that such confession is necessary for salvation. However, we further deny that inerrancy can be rejected without grave consequences, both to the individual and to the church. So like, your salvation isn't necessarily on the line, uh, understanding the infallibility of God's word. But at the same time, scripture is what tells us how to be saved. So exactly. if you don't trust scripture, then how do you trust how to be saved? Right. So that's an important, um, but no, like, you know, that's not on the test for salvation. Right. Like, so. Uh, yeah. And I would, it's one of those things I would also argue if you are truly saved, you will 
understand that the Bible's infallible. Yeah. You know. It might take some growth to get there. Right. Uh, but why would you want to undermine it? Exactly. You know. Yeah. And then plus, like, what's true in your life? How do you have any kind of uh, foundation for what you believe if if even the Word of God is not trustworthy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's why they say, like, you know, we inerrancy can't be rejected without grave consequences, both to the individual and to the church. Right. And we see that. We see that in people's lives. And we see that in church, church, you know. Um, So this is the foundation of what we believe to be true. Yeah. No, and I I think this was a super good uh, start off to the podcast, you Mm -hmm. know, because it'll let all our listeners know that whatever whatever is to come, our our main basis is going to be the Bible, 100% of the time. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so even when there's times, which they're coming, when Josh and I are going to disagree on Absolutely. stuff, yep. um, and we're both doing, we're both reasoning from the scripture, uh-huh. but I think that's important is if we're both reasoning from scripture, then we have a greater chance of coming to a, a correct understanding yep. rather than just, well, I think this and you think that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, there's no way to reconcile then. Right. But if we're both intentionally seeking the, to understand what God has said, yeah. Then we'll get there, and I think it's going to be a huge benefit for the listeners to see because we've we've found some things we disagree on, mm-hmm. but this is such an important part of the church that you don't divide over something so minute, right? And I think I think in later podcasts we can get into that, mm-hmm. you know. But I think this is a super good basis that you know everyone knows where we stand. Yeah. And I said the Bible is perfect yep. and sufficient. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's where we stand. Yep. On the Bible alone. Yep. So um, just a reminder, if you guys have questions or comments or thing topics that you want to be covered, you can email us at theredeemedpodcast at hotmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and stay tuned for what's next. Yep. Thanks for tuning in. Yep. Have a good day.